0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Text for our uh, sermon this morning and we're going to have a A couple of other ones kind of sprinkled in here as well, but this is Stewards of God's Grace from 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, and it is wrapping up the the sermon series that we've had on stewardship. Um, And this has not been just about money. That was exactly one Sunday that we talked about money. This is much bigger than that. It is um, just a reminder that all things that we have, and we should especially remember all good things that we have, come from God. And because they've been given to us, we should be good stewards of them. We should manage them well. And uh, it seems just really appropriate to finish all of this on grace. And we're going to talk in this sermon a little bit about practicing this. Well, Lent is coming up, right? Ash Wednesday is coming on um, this coming Wednesday. And Lent is a great opportunity for us to practice spiritual disciplines. That's what the, the Lenten sermon series is all about. It is spiritual disciplines and repentance, and those two things do go hand in hand. So we're gonna look at different kind of spiritual disciplines. I, I don't ever really encourage people to give stuff up for Lent. Um, my joke I used to always say is, uh, what do you give up for Lent? And I would say, silly church traditions, He. But, uh, <laughs> ah, um, <clears throat> but what I like to do is in, instead is, is pick up a discipline add something or add a couple of different things. So we're going to be talking about those different things starting on Wednesday. um, But maybe now is a good time to kind of prepare yourself, prepare your heart and mind a little bit for that journey of Lent, which I—it's my favorite time of year to to do these spiritual disciplines. So this is what Peter is, is saying to the church about being a steward of God's grace. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh... They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a lot going on in that text, and there's plenty of of good theology, and I'm sure... As you hear that and read that, you, you have questions uh, about, okay, how then shall we live? All, all of this list of stuff we shouldn't do. That's like the Gentiles. Okay, that's there's all sorts of questions there, right? How we should live on a day-to-day basis. Questions about the gospel being preached to people already dead. That's an interesting one. There's some fine, very, very specific theology and teaching on that. There's all kinds of interesting stuff in this text But the title of the text remains the most important thing. Be good stewards of God's grace. That word is an interesting word, grace. Um, It doesn't work well in in our vernacular because we talk about grace all the time, right? We talk about physical grace. You see somebody who's just graceful, right? And, And grace is something that, well, we always we always kind of have to see it in comparison to you know not graceful things <laughs> you know like well here's an example the there is a a woman in the yoga class that i regularly attend she's maybe in her 70s or 80s just incredibly graceful right just the way she fluidly moves through these different poses and and there's me, (laughs) who is just a hot dumpster fire in yoga. There's a giant puddle of sweat. I I smell like I crawled through dog poop. Like, it's, it's, it's absolutely terrible. The funny thing, though, is the whole time I'm comparing myself to her and just feeling awful. But she's got like some kind of physical limitations. Because the last thing you do in yoga are these like really hard, like reverse, you know, moon twisted and all this kind of stuff. And, and you have to hold those and she can't do it. And I sit there the whole time like, oh yeah, oh, look at me, shaking and sweating, but I'm doing it. Right? But I'm comparing myself to her. Trying, trying to to see, you know, I am able to do this much and she's able to do that. I, I am this graceful and she is that graceful. That is, that is the exact opposite concept of grace that we're talking about in our scriptures this morning. Like I was telling the kids, grace is, is the good stuff that God gives to us at Christ's expense. So we have to remind ourselves is, is Really, everything that we have, we started this stewardship program, um, this whole sermon series, with the idea that everything we have has been given to us, right? So we're stewards of all of these things. But, and when we land on grace, it's, it's not just the concept of Jesus died for your sins, for, for the forgiveness of your sins, you know, that's, that is a way to speak about grace. We notice in our text this morning, it, it sounds like he's talking about something else, It's not just Jesus' death, resurrection, forgiveness of sins, life everlasting. It's got a lot to do with how we interact with each other, right? So where we're going to land on this this stewardship sermon series is by understanding the, the difference between just recognizing God gives good things to me but not for me, right? God gives us things... To us, but not for us. To us means it's, it's given to me, but it's for me to employ in my life to others. The reason God gave me abilities and talents and skills or resources is for the benefit of other people. I think sometimes this is so obvious we forget <laughs> that it's the truth, we, we maybe just think a bit like we contribute to society or something like that, because you wouldn't, I mean, think of your profession. If you're a teacher, and I say, oh, you're a teacher. Who do you teach? No one. <laughs> okay, so you just don't teach. You, you're not a teacher because you're not teaching. I'm in construction. Oh, what do you build? Ooh, houses, buildings. Oh, yeah. But just for myself, right? Not for anyone else. I mean, anything that you do, if, if you're a musician, you make music, it's absolutely true, you, you may do it for yourself in the sense that, that it, is, it is your craft, your creation, all of that, but it's to be shared with the world. See, grace is given to us, all good things are given to us, but grace is only lived and expressed if it's in relationship to someone else. In relationship to a community, the, the point of God giving to us is to interact through those good gifts with other people. And I'll tell you, you know, well, the, the text that we have, let's put it up on the screen. This is First um, the, the, right, Peter 4.10, sorry about that. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace as we've received these gifts, we use it for the benefit of other people. One of the things about my um, profession that I, I think is the most blessed thing, that I have such an advantage in what I do over so many other people because I get great perspective. You know, people come to me, to, they, they want to ask questions about marriage, about life, about parenting, about this and about this, and I, and I draw on 20 years Of interacting with other people. And I can give some perspective on marriage or parenting and family dynamics and work, and because of decisions I've seen other people make and how people have lived. And I can tell you the people who are least satisfied in life, least happy, least fulfilled, least full of joy, the most (laughs) miserable in pain, unhealthy people are those people who live only for themselves. Oftentimes they are rich, right? They got plenty of money. Oftentimes they are talented and they are the best in their industry. They have a great job. They live in a beautiful house in a great community, highly respected, lots of power, and miserable because they are not connected with someone or anyone or have these meaningful relationships or even beyond that, they don't have a sense of purpose or of their lives being about something significant. And it's, it's hard because I can't tell them just exactly what to do, A, B, C. Well, first you have to uh, sell this and then buy that or start doing this and stop doing that. It it is not that simple to convince somebody what, what you need in your life is a sense of purpose and belonging and significance and all of these things, but it starts by understanding the significance of sharing yourself and all that God has given to you with others, It's a really difficult thing to convince anybody of, but I promise you, it is, as our scripture says, the key to having grace expressed in your life. I want to be clear it doesn't mean that these people who are dissatisfied with life or aren't unhealthy, They're saved Christians. They'll be at the resurrection. This is is not about eternal salvation. This is about from now until you die and are raised from the dead. Because God cares as much about right now in your life as he does your eternity. In fact, he's got eternity wrapped up. That's what the the author here means when he says the the end times basically are here. What he's saying is, is God did the last thing he's going to do before Jesus returns. Right? There's lots of other things that he did. If you look all the way through the narrative, you've got covenants, you've got Moses, you've got Abraham. I mean, there was a flood, there's a kingdom, there's all of these different things, and then there's Jesus. And, and, and the author here, Peter, is saying that was the last thing, we're, we're in the last phase. Now, maybe he thought it was gonna be another 20, 30, 100 years. It's been 2,000, right? But this is the time where what God has done is poured out through the Spirit into his people, into the church, his riches in a way intended that it connects us and builds a community. In fact, it builds God's kingdom here on earth. It's it's a kingdom we call churches. It's a kingdom, a place where we see Christ. It's where we encounter God himself until we get to that last day at the resurrection. So this, this idea that all the things that you have, your, your time, your talents, your resources, the energy you have, all of these things that you have that God has given to you, they're given to you but for other people. And by being good stewards of them, meaning not just throwing it all away or, or nobody is saying that you have to give all of your time, all of your energy and all of your money to the church or to other people, but rather being good stewards of that what you discover is great love and the very presence of God. Because love is not only the end point, but it's the starting point. It all starts with love, which is this other nebulous word that we have, right? I love pizza and my wife. The same? <laughs> well, very differently, right? Love is is one of those words that is in itself a bit nebulous. And Peter here says, keep loving each other, keep practicing love. Let's put that text up here. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I love that verse, but ironically, it's a quote of half of a proverb. What Solomon wrote, this is from Proverbs, Proverbs, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. See, Peter is is referencing, and and the people hearing this would have recognized love covers a multitude of sins. They would have heard hatred stirs up strife. What Peter is doing is is he's showing to us that grace and the sharing of, of resources and good stewardship of all things, all of this the result of that will be forgiveness and covering offenses. But what is in the way are things like hatred, anger, and bitterness. Right? It's the ugly, sinful, toxic things that keep us from moving in the direction of love and grace and stewardship of all things. And what you might be thinking is, I don't know, Pastor Luke, I don't hate anybody. Okay, you don't hate anyone. But but I ask this question. How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about you? Because this is what I encounter most often is the, the first barrier to people becoming good stewards of all of their stuff, their time, their money, whatever it is. Is we feel we feel ugly about us. We feel unworthy. We feel as though God chose poorly. What was he doing when he chose to love me? Now that might sound like, oh, these are these are platitudes, this is this is that psycho babble nonsense. It really isn't. When you think about encountering grace and and this whole process of stewardship of grace that I've been talking about, it's really very cyclical. God gives to me his grace, I have it, that that forgiveness of sins, life everlasting on top of that, all of the resources that I have, all of those things, and then I share them with others. But if I don't truly and fully have those things, then I can't share with others. This is one of the most basic principles of life. You can't give what you don't have. You can't love someone else if you have not love. Look what John says in one of his letters. He says, this is love. Not that we first love, but that God loves us. And that which I have, I am able to give to other people. This is truly the the first barrier. And it really takes a lot of introspection of self to say, "Do do I see myself through the eyes of the Father? Do I see myself as one washed clean of sin? Do I see myself as one who has been truly forgiven and loved by God so, so much? I bet there's places in your heart where the answer is no. It's those places where you think God is disappointed that you didn't do better or that you haven't come further Or why in your walk in discipleship are you only this far? Those things where you think, I should be a better father or a better husband. I've failed my spouse in these ways. I've failed my kids like this. Or I'm not living up to what others expect of me. Or maybe these people are disappointed. Or they look at my family and they think these things about me. Or they look at my my job and my my boss. And and you start to really look at yourself through the lens of, of people real or imagined, highly critical of you, and maybe even correct. Maybe you're not very good at your job. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe you're not very good at the things that you've been called to do. Those things can still be true while this other truth remains. You are loved, you are forgiven, and you have been perfected in the eyes of your Creator. It seems that these two things can't be true at the same time. This is one of those beautiful paradoxes that we find in Scripture, where these two things are proclaimed to be true. I am fully forgiven by God, perfect in his sight, because that is what he has proclaimed on the cross. He proclaimed it in my baptism. He proclaimed it through Dan a few moments ago when he gave to us the forgiveness of sins in confession and absolution. It is true. And man, there's been times this week I've been a lousy father and husband and pastor and friend and all sorts of different things. Those things remain. But here when we are stewards of grace, we don't find ourselves thinking and moving and and existing primarily in, in that realm of our flaws and our brokenness. Because if that's primarily what we're harboring in our hearts, (laughs) that's what we share with other people. If I'm, if I'm working and thinking primarily most of the time about my faults, my flaws, where I have, I have not been the, the husband, the father, the pastor, the friend, and all of those things, where I have not lived up to my expectations or the expectations of others, then I turn and I look to the people to whom I'm supposed to be stewarding the good gifts of God, and I see how they have not lived up to expectations, mine and theirs, as husband or father or whatever it might be. You see, we we have to place ourselves into those streams of grace and exist primarily there in God's love, in God's forgiveness and kindness. This takes discipline. It it takes practice and effort and energy, and, and frankly, it takes breaking a cycle because it's, it's a simple thing to do. We get into these cycles all the time of they said that, and then I said this, or they did that, and then I did this, and then this thing, and then that leaves us in this place, and then they said that, and then I said this, and then this is the result. And we get into this, this ugly, toxic cycle over and over and over again. Or I, I did this, and here's what happened, and I felt awful about it, so I went and I, whatever it might be. And then I felt awful, and so I did this thing, felt terrible, and resulted here. And we we get into these spirals over and over again where we get hung up because our eyes are focused primarily on the sin and the brokenness of the world or the sin and the brokenness of ourselves. And that, of course, naturally gets projected out to other people. Then what we are being stewards of, poor stewards of, is sin and death and brokenness. These things not from God, these things from ourselves, from humanity, from the world, right? These things that are from ourselves that we accumulate the bad habits and the sin and the brokenness. We go looking for those those deep wellsprings of sin and brokenness online or wherever we might find it, this ugliness, right? And there's so much of it that I got plenty of that to share with the world. Here's the thing, is just as you can get stuck in these sinful cycles, you can break that. And then you can put yourself into a healthy, graceful cycle where you can instead see Christ. And you can consider first Jesus. And you can consider first not this person, not, not their brokenness and not their sin, but how beautiful they must be to the Father. And you can get yourself in that cycle only if first you see that about yourself. You've got to believe these words. You are loved by God. You are beautiful to him. You are perfect in his eyes all your sins, your flaws, your mistakes, he doesn't see, can't remember. As far as the east is from the west, he doesn't even know. He's not even aware of those anymore. They're gone. All he sees is this perfect, beautiful child of his that he loves so much. He loves so much, he gives to you good things. He gives to you life. He gives to you time. He gives to you everything. Talents, abilities. He's, he's given to you the, the ability to love others and bless others. And when you find yourself in this stream of grace, when, when you put yourself in, into that well of goodness and joy, when you put yourself there, well, now I've got so much. Because the depth of the well of the love of God is overwhelmingly deeper than the sin and the brokenness. Of this world it truly is but we don't <laughs> there's this allure of the world and, and Peter is, is alluding to that he says yeah I know all the stuff that, that the world wants you to keep doing and the drunkenness and the orgies and the all of those fun things that seem so fun they're so alluring and attractive they're lies they're all lies and and the more you try them, the more you experience them, the, the more you you put yourself in this cycle of shame and, and brokenness and sin, the more you see the degradation of the relationships and the world around you. The, the more you focus on all of those parts of this world, of your world, that are just as ugly and sinful and broken. And so... Knowing this about us, he gives to us the church. This is such a critical piece of the story from the very beginning, from the fall of Adam and Eve until Pentecost, until today, is the church. Because to break a cycle and to put yourself into a new cycle of grace and love and all of those things of God's kingdom, you have to have this bit of faith, the faith to, to take that step and, and to do something, something different, right? We're not talking about, about God calling you into the kingdom. We're not talking about taking a faith to believe in Jesus. This is God's work alone, to call you to faith, that, that you would live eternally. I'm talking about that leap of faith when you're going to do something and see what happens, Right, where, where you're going to take an action and see what's next. We do this all the time. Every time you get in a car, it's a little bit of a leap of faith. <laughs> right? You get on an airplane, it's a little bit of a leap of faith. What I'm calling you to do today is take a little leap of faith to see Christ. See Christ. We see him where he promises to be. There's, there's two places in the Gospel of Matthew where he makes this final point for our sermon this morning the first one is in matthew chapter 18 matthew 18 verse 20 says where two or three are gathered in my name there i am among them that's this that's church he says in matthew chapter 28 in the great commission again verse 20 at the very end Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, the Great Commission. You hear it every time we do a baptism. Behold, I am with you, always to the very end of the age. When and where the people of God gather in his name to worship, and when and where the people of God do that which he has commanded, where the church churches, right? Where the church churches he promises to be. Where, he, where he's made this promise, you will see him other places. I'm not saying you're not going to see Jesus, but he promises you'll see him here. He hasn't promised to see you at the gym. You might see him at the gym. He hasn't promised to see you at the laundromat. You might. You might experience those things. He's promised when the church is here worshiping and when the church churches and does what the church is called to do, he promises that he will be there, you gotta take that step. All of you here today have done some of that, right? This is time that you have stewarded well in the kingdom of God. Everything else that we have talked about this entire sermon series are other ways you can be good stewards of the gifts of God's grace, right? All these other ways in which you can be a good steward of his grace, take those steps too. And and what you discover is every step that you take into a place where God has promised, I have given this to you for someone else. And when you steward that for the benefit of somebody else, you will see him a little more. I promise you. And you get into this cycle of, recognizing I have good things given to me for someone else, and when I have done a little bit of this, I am blessed. Not that I get more. You don't get more time by spending more time, but rather you get the goodness of God in his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gifts of the Spirit. Okay, I'm going to be a good steward of my children. I'm going to be a good steward of, of my own life. I'm going to be a good steward of, of the money that I, that I have. I'm going to be a good steward of the talents that God has given me to use for the kingdom in some way, shape, or form. And everybody has all of those things in this room. We've covered that all week. Everybody has those things to give to someone else. And if you think, well, I am I'm retired, or I, I you know, I don't, you have time. You have resource. Sometimes even just showing up and being here on a Sunday morning means a lot. So guess what? Be good stewards because first he loved you. Just, just do it. <laughs> There's no other way to, to preach this part of stewardship other than to say, you got to just do it. And and don't think in terms of big or dramatic or more. I don't have a million dollars to give, and I am not uh, I, I can't play a musical instrument or I don't have this talent and ability. Is there a small thing? Is there one small thing you can steward a little bit better? If you have nothing other than to steward your children a little bit better and growing up in the faith, that child could be one day the one who's leading a congregation, the one who's an elder or council member, the, the one who is serving in a mission field. That's how stewardship works. If we, if we are good stewards of a little, right here, then down the road, we see God's kingdom grow. So all of that leads us to the next. The best way to start this The best way to get into this is with your time. Is with your time. I know you thought I was going to say with your checkbook. I'm not. I I told you, I don't like those sermons. I hate them. (laughs) With your time, Lent is coming up. Can you choose to pray a certain time every day? Can you choose to, to take a step and read scripture? Can you find something online that's a Lenten um, reading? Can, can you take some time to fast? What Time is, is the number one, number one barrier for stewardship for all Christians, is the ability to do one thing with, with the time that I have that's not focused on me, but focused on God has given me this time, now I'll be a good steward to others, and everything else will follow. My encouragement to you is is as Esh Wednesday is coming, prepare yourselves. Prepare yourself for a spiritual discipline, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, to be good stewards of the grace God has given to us. Because you know what happens at the end of Lent? (laughs) The most dramatic, beautiful, powerful example of God giving to you his son. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have our question of the day as the kiddos are coming back in. Are there things you have a hard time trusting God for? Yes is the answer. <laughs> How can God's words encourage you to trust and obey Him today? And that's a great one. Um, Again, this is for you and for your kids or just as you're out in the atrium drinking coffee, whatever it might be. Um, are there are things you have a hard time trusting God for and how can God's word encourage you to trust and obey him today? Some good references up there. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gifts that you have given to me, to all of us, and to this congregation. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to be stewards of your grace, that this place would always be found to be where your word is preached, where the sacraments are distributed, where we love one another constantly. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as you have given to us all of these good things, we would share them with one another and with the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen receive the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.